2: Carl Lamar, he was like a god walking amongst mere mortals. He had a voice that could make a Wolverine purr, and suits so fine they made Sinatra look like a
3: hobo. Is this your place, Carl? Yeah, what do you think? Really? It's
4: really awful.
3: But I have a lot of things that are on order, you know, credit trouble. Pay
4: more attention to your schoolwork and listen
5: to the radio. you always know listen to the radio. It's different. Our lives are ruined
0: already. The Whistler.
1: Will self-destruct in five seconds.
0: Hello, everyone. I'm Carl Amari, and this is Hollywood 360, a radio show that presents the best in classic radio. This hour on Hollywood 360, Frank Lovejoy stars as Chicago newspaper reporter Randy Stone on Nightbeat from 1952. Then Jack Benny and all his gang visit the circus on part one of the Jack Benny program from 1951. With me to help present these radio classics is my co-host Lisa Wolf. What's up, Lisa? Hey, Carl. Hey, look who's over there. Who? Mike is Oh Mike. That's what Mike looks like. Yeah. I didn't know
5: he's usually behind you know? the glass, but
0: I now know. he's right with he's us. He's right in the same room with us. We should take some pictures and post it. Let's do for it for our uh, for our listeners. Yeah, they probably want to see Mike
4: they in all his don't, handsome but, glory.
0: Know. Very handsome man. Well, it's time now, though, for Night Beat. This was a great series, Lisa. I know you like the show because I know you like Frank Lovejoy a lot. This was a newspaper drama. It was set in Chicago, came to NBC Radio in 1950. Frank Lovejoy starred... As Randy Stone, that's a good name there, Randy Stone, he was a reporter for the Chicago Star. That's not a real newspaper, no, but I know. fictional newspaper. But he covered the night beat, and he roamed the Windy City in search of human interest stories for his column. And in the cast was uh, L.A.'s best supporting actors, Joan Banks, who was actually Frank Lovejoy's wife, Joan Banks. Harley Bear, William Conrad, Paul Freese, many others. The uh, series lasted until 1952. And we have a 1952 episode for you now from July 3rd called The Old Itch. It stars Frank Lovejoy. Here's part one of Night Beat.
2: Now, Paps Blue Ribbon presents, transcribed, Frank Lovejoy in.
6: Hi, this is Randy Stone. I cover the Night Beat for the Chicago Star. Sometimes the best stories a reporter gets are the ones he can't print. The -the off-the-record conversations with people in high places. I knew Robbie wouldn't be talking for publication when I got his wire saying he was checking in at a small residential hotel on the north side for a few days. Robbie was a guy I'd gone to school with. He was also Maynard Robertson, Far East specialist for one of the big foundations. I knew he'd talk plenty and that I couldn't print a word of it. The lobby of the hotel was small and gray, with a desk clerk to match. He smiled when I approached him, but there was something in his manner that strongly suggested Horatius at the bridge. Yes, sir. And what may we do for you? Friend of mine is supposed to be registered here. Maynard Robertson? Mm
7: Mm-hmm. I see.
6: Can you give me his room number? I'd like to go up and see him.
7: Mm Mm-hmm. I imagine you would. Just supposing Mr. Robertson is registered here. You're a friend of his, you say? Yes, I'm a friend of his. Is he here or isn't he? I don't imagine you'd have any way of proving you're a friend of his. Well, look, call his room and tell him that Randy Stone is here. Now, now, we won't be hasty, will we? Randy Stone, Randy Stone. Now, where have I heard that name before? I'm a reporter for the Star. Ah,
2: uh-huh. and...
8: I
7: thought so. A reporter. Well, Mr. Stone, we have no Maynard Robertson registered here. And good day to you. Oh, now, wait, wait. Just hold on a minute. Robbie's really a friend of mine. He asked me to come and see him. Oh, Robbie, is it now? (sighs) He sent me this telegram. Mm Hmm. It's signed, Robbie. Of course, it scarcely says Maynard Robertson. It scarcely would. Now, look. You've done a good job, you've screened me, I've got no concealed weapons, not even a typewriter. Mr. Stone, as you may or may not know, Maynard Robertson is just as sought after as he can be, particularly by gentlemen of the press, now that he's just returned from Korea and everything. I can assure you he has nothing to say for publication. Well, just call his room and tell him my name. Can you look me straight in the eye and swear you're a close friend of Mr. Robertson's? I can look you straight in the eye and swear. All right, we'll see. Mr. Robertson, please. Hello. I'm ever so sorry to bother you. This is the desk. There's a gentleman here, a Mr. Randy Stone. All right, sir. One moment. He wishes to speak to you, Mr. Stone. Thank you. Hi, Robbie.
2: Randy, you old son of a gun. Get the heck up
7: here. Right away, Robbie. Robbie. I hope you understand, Mr. Stone. I was simply following Mr. Robertson's own orders to me. That's okay. Room 412. The elevator's to your right. It's self-service. Just punch the four button.
6: I've been wanting to punch something. I'll settle for the four button.
8: Hey,
9: can I have a ride?
6: Oh, sure. You can even drive if you want to.
9: All right. Face the front of the elevator. Name your floor, please.
6: Uh, four. Just punch the four button. Ever
9: get stuck in one of these?
6: No It sounds like fun
9: I did once Believe me It depends entirely On who gets stuck with you
6: Yeah, that was my point
9: I'm going to Fort,
6: too It's a small world She didn't fit the modest surroundings Of Robbie's hideaway hotel Any more than he did She was tall and tan The kind of tan you get at spots like Waikiki Her blonde hair was crisp and natural So was the mink tossed over one arm. And the brown eyes she directed at me were either soft and warm, or she was nearsighted. Unfortunately, the elevator powered its way straight to the fourth floor without mechanical failure.
9: I'm looking for 412. I, I suppose it's down this way.
6: Well, that's where I'm going.
9: Oh, do you know Uncle Maynard?
6: I know the guy in 412.
9: Is he expecting
6: you? He was. Oh,
9: well, look, would you do me a big favor? He isn't expecting me. He hasn't any idea I'm anywhere near Chicago. I'm really just between trains. I called Mother, and she said Uncle Maynard was stopping here, and... And
6: you'd like to surprise him, and you'd like me to wait while you do? Yes.
9: Do you mind?
6: No, no. Go ahead, I'll wait.
9: Oh, that's wonderful, thanks. I won't be long. If I know Uncle Maynard, he'll fall right on his face when he sees me.
6: If I know Uncle Maynard, he hasn't got a niece. (laughs) Go ahead, I'll wait. That was for sure. This doll was nobody's niece. Also for sure was that Robbie could have busted my neck if I'd horned in on that deal. I found an uncomfortable chair back by the elevator, sat at a tension and smoked three cigarettes while Miss Tan and Terrific was making Robbie say uncle. I began to wish I'd brought a good book or maybe a good set of books. Just when I decided to come back a day or two later, she came beaming down the hall. I'll
9: bet you thought I'd never come back.
6: I had time to think a lot of things.
9: I'm really a lot more grateful than I can say. And Uncle Maynard said the most wonderful things about you, Mr. Stone. He seems very fond of you.
6: <laughs> yeah, I I got a lot of charm when you get to know me. Yes, I'm sure you have.
9: Well, goodbye, Mr. Stone. I guess I'll have to run the elevator without my co-pilot this trip.
6: Just punch the one button. Hmm. I should have such a
2: niece. Now, look, kid, I've said all... Oh, Randy. Man, it's good to see you. Come in, fella. Some surprise, huh? Seeing your niece. Some shock. And she's not my niece.
6: Really? Oh, well, you could have fooled me.
2: You know her, don't you?
6: No, no, and I probably won't. She saw you first. Let's forget about the doll. Tell me to sit down, buy me a drink, and... What's the matter with you? You... You don't know her? No, I don't know her. We never shared anything except the same elevator.
2: Ooh. You'll kill me. I doubt it. Uh, Maybe I'd better tell you to sit down. Uh, Sit down. (laughs) Thanks, I will. Now, how about that drink? Now, here. Take the bottle. Either drink it or hit me with it. I'll let you know what I decide later on. Randy, she's not my niece. She's also not what you think.
6: Okay, okay. An old family friend.
2: She's Kit Gaynor. What? A dame reporter? The same. She's fearless, lethal, covers the world... And most recently, covered me. No reporter looks like that. 7,000 miles I travel from Korea to Chicago with my lips sealed. I talk to no one. I hide out in offbeat hotels. I do everything but wear a disguise so I can get to New York and give my secret report to the foundation director. Brother, when Kit's story hits the press... You talk to this dame for publication? I will kill you. Randy, did you see her? Really look at her? Sure I talked. I'd have slipped out the window onto the street, too, if she'd asked me to. Uncle Maynard. Oh, fine. Well, I guess it's too late to give you an exclusive for the star, isn't it? I left after a
6: while. I planted myself at the press club bar and thought dark thoughts about Kit Gaynor. Sure, I'd heard of her. She was one of those first women. First to fly in a bomber, first in the jet. First, to slip unnoticed onto a troop ship at the canal locks and go to the South Pacific. And most of all, she was the first dame reporter to make a real chump out of me. I had a drink to each of her blue ribbons. How did you find Uncle Maynard? Oh, on the ropes. How did you get in here? We got a rule about women.
9: I'm a newspaper man. I hold press club cards all over the world, even in Chicago.
6: I wish you were a newspaper man. I'd flatten you.
9: I don't blame you. But when I got the scoop, Robbie was in town. I knew it was my last chance to catch him before he hit New York. I really ought to buy that hotel clerk a drink. If he hadn't given you that G2 routine, you couldn't have led
6: me to Robbie. Where were you hiding? In the clerk's carnation? (laughs) You're really teed off, aren't you? There's every chance I'll live. Well,
9: that's all I was trying to do, Stone. After all, the girls got to eat and drink. Speaking of drink, I've earned one. That was a good story I filed on, Robbie.
6: Yeah, remind me to read it.
9: You know something, Stone.
6: You're sort of cute. (laughs) It's the soft light in here. It does things for me. She began having the drink she said she'd earned. Swallowed them down like there was so much fruit juice. And in between swallows, she talked. Gave me the stories behind the stories I'd read under her byline for the past eight years or so. Kit Gainer was a lady trailblazer who got her kicks getting signatures on short snorters, talking G.I. and hopping jets for anywhere. I matched drinks with her for a while. The
9: camera was no bigger than a cigarette case, so I was the only one who came up with the pictures and the story. Tito was furious at first, but Stone, are you listening?
2: Oh, Oh, yeah. Oh, sure.
6: Tito was furious, and then before that, Churchill confided to you that he had nothing to offer but... Blood, sweat, and tears.
9: Toil and tears. I had it a week before he gave it to Commons. So, are you sure you feel okay?
6: I'm fine. I'm fine. I think maybe... Uh, I just put my head down for a minute or so.
9: <laughs> I thought you'd like my rum, vodka, and slow gin blockbuster. One night in Seoul, Colonel Bradsford had a few belts of it and began to act just like you are. Pretty soon he passed out. Uh.
6: Whammo. Just like that. When I came to, I was cosily settled in my own apartment. I had on my pajamas and a robe Aunt Tilly had sent several Christmases ago, which I'd never worn. There was a steaming cup of coffee at my side, and someone was making homey sounds in the kitchen. So,
9: baby, plug the coffee down. You look like the underside of a fish.
6: You'll turn my head with talk like that. And if it turns, it'll roll off and break. (laughs) Oh,
9: drink the coffee.
6: Ah, pretty good, huh? Mm, yeah, that's not bad. There's a steak coming up. Look, kid, I don't want to press. There are a few things that aren't exactly crystal clear in my mind. Like, uh, what am I doing in my pajamas and how did I get in them?
9: The taxi driver was a perfect doll.
6: Oh, he was?
9: Your landlady was a little touchy, though.
6: How did she get into the act?
9: Well, we could have made a quieter entrance than we did. And I don't think she fell for my story, either.
6: What story? That
9: I was your niece, and you had a touch of tomaine.
6: Oh, well, you ought to write. You mentioned something about a steak.
9: Right away, Stone. You know, you really should feel pretty good. You've slept for hours.
6: What have you been doing?
9: Oh, I managed to keep busy. For one, it isn't easy to come by a steak at this hour. I had to go practically to Cicero.
1: Uh-huh. Oh, that looks good. I don't think
6: I'll be able to stand it if you can cook, too.
9: Remind me to tell you how talented I am sometimes.
6: Mmm. Oh, hey, this is good. Of course it's good.
9: Oh, that reminds me. While I was out... Or perhaps I should say while you were out...
6: Big joke.
9: I bought a copy of the Star and read your column. It was good.
6: Really good. I'd curtsy, but I'm sitting down. Column? Holy Toledo. Did
9: I say something wrong?
6: (laughs) You said something right. I've been acting like I had the night off.
9: I'll just clear up these dishes.
6: Chicago Star, night desk. Randy Farley. What are you doing there this time of night?
1: I love my work.
6: Oh, swell. Look, Farley, I've been hung up.
1: So your niece told me.
6: Oh. Oh, she did. Well, We could
1: have used you, boy. That is, we could have used a reporter.
6: (laughs) Yeah, well, I'll be down shortly. Don't no rush
1: on our account. The worst of it's over.
7: The worst of what?
1: All little items like a million-dollar fire at the stockyards, a gang killing in Cicero, and count them, 12,437 eyewitness reports of a flying saucer.
6: All that happened tonight? What
1: did she do? Plow you under? Why? I, I don't.
6: can come back here.
1: Your niece take a powder, chump?
6: Uh, yeah. I'll be right down. I didn't understand Kit Gainer's departure Any more than I'd understood her arrival By the time I got to the office I was all set to write the whole episode off as experience Experience I didn't need A couple of hours after Farley and I had exchanged pleasantries on the phone I spread out the final morning editions on my desk The stockyard's fire, the gang killing, the flying saucer's bit gut. Quite a play in all the Chicago dailies. The stars' coverage looked okay, but I'd picked a great night to sit on the sidelines.
1: Well, my, but isn't our night blooming Jasmine? Hi, Farley. Oh, too little, too late himself. Ah, looks like you did okay without me. You got good coverage on all the sort. Most of the boys are pretty loyal. You didn't happen to buzz by any of those saucers last night, did you? Or weren't you flying that low? I'll knock it off, Farley. I don't miss many times. You want to know my real beef with you, boy? It's on page one of the News Telegraph. Right there. Read it.
6: East specialist tabs next red move. Mened Robinson reveals Foundation report on new Communist
1: threat. I thought this Robertson was such a buddy of yours. Well, he is. So he gives his exclusive stuff to this Kit Gainer. What kind of a buddy is that? What are you trying to get me to say? That she's a better reporter than I am? She's a devil of a good reporter, I'll say that for her. You got the only eyewitness story on a Cicero gang killing. Eyewitness? Also page one, the news telegraph. She was supposed to be buying a steak. Huh? Uh, skip it, it's a local joke. Well, I'm calling it a day. But for my dough, this Kid Gainer's a real newspaper man, even if she is a woman. Now, nah. Nuts. Hello.
7: Is this Mr. Randy Stone? Yeah. New York calling. One moment, please. Ready with Chicago, New York. Your party is on the line.
9: Stone? Uh, yeah? It's Kit. Are you teed off at me again?
6: I can just barely remember you.
9: Oh, I miss you, too. How's your domain?
6: It comes and goes. Look, I'm glad you're in New York. Makes me feel more secure. Only didn't you get there a little quick?
9: Darndest thing, Stone. When I got back to my hotel, I ran into an old friend in the lobby. It's sort of a long story, but he just happened to be a jet pilot, and it seemed like a good idea at the time.
6: Oh, that's good. You stay there. You'll like it.
9: I'm run over to Europe. The Air Force says they'll fly me.
6: You just keep putting miles between us. I'll be the best friend you've got.
9: I'll come back someday and hold you to that.
6: Kid, please. Do me no favors. I've got a job, just barely. Now you go out and reconquer the world, only leave Chicago to me, huh?
9: You're a funny guy, Stone. And I miss you. I really do.
6: (laughs) Goodbye, Kit. I'll be reading you.
8: Don't forget me, Stone.
6: I had a fat chance of forgetting her. Night and day, at home, at the office, at the press club, every move I made, she covered. One particular overseas operator and I became old friends.
7: London, England, calling Mr. Randy Stone.
6: Yeah? Yeah?
9: Elizabeth and Philip are a couple of dolls, and they're so in love. Oh, Stone, I miss you.
8: Paris, France, calling Mr. Randy Stone. Paris?
9: Nobody else in Paris, streets of Chicago. I'm staying on the left bank. Picasso's really divine. Do you ever think about me, Stone?
6: Rome, Italy, calling Mr. Randy Stone. Oh, this gal gets around. I warn you, Stone, if you're fiddling while I'm away,
9: I'll really burn.
1: Berlin calling. Geneva Switzerland calling. Vienna calling. Mr. Randy Stone. I think I'm in love with
9: you, Stone.
6: In between times, I kept track of her with headlines like this. Ridgeway's in shape for shape. A Kit Gainer exclusive. Tito talks exclusively to Kit Gainer. Pope plugs for peace, a Kit Gainer exclusive. No, I didn't forget her, and after a while, I didn't even try. At first, I was amused, then amazed, and finally, I began to think it was a good idea for her to show up in Chicago again. And she began to think so too.
9: I'm coming home, Stone. <laughs> Hi, kid. Oh, I didn't really think you'd be here. Honest to Pete, I didn't. I didn't think I'd be here. And roses. Oh, Stone, baby, you brought me roses.
6: Yeah. I didn't think I'd do that either.
9: Did you miss me?
6: I don't know. Look, don't plan on anything. I just happened by an old flower lady. She needed dough. And besides... Stone, I'm trembling like a schoolgirl. Well, I don't have to work tonight. I... I told Farley that (laughs) my uh, niece was in town. And, uh, don't look at me like that. I'll probably ask you. Go on, Stone. Please ask me. Well, that look of yours, is it really that soft and warm? Or are you nearsighted?
0: That's the first portion of Nightbeat. More after these words. More Hollywood
1: 360 after these important messages.
0: And now back to Hollywood 360 with Carl Amari. Now let's get back to Beat.
9: And of course, the first thing Tito did was to give my cigarette case a-going over to be sure it wasn't another camera.
6: Yeah, that, that get-up of yours, that dress, that from Paris?
9: The only one I could afford... I, uh, dropped most of my take making transatlantic calls. <laughs>
6: yeah, yeah, you did, didn't you? I got
9: a money-back guarantee on the dress. The designer said, if it does not drive your lover mad, I will, uh, how you say, refund your money. Oh. <laughs> Why, well, I, I can't tell, Stone. Do I get my money back?
6: Uh, I'll let you know.
9: Maybe I could work a trade deal with him. This creation for some house dresses in a going-away suit. Or should we just dance or something.
6: Let's just sit here and, and talk about your trip. trip was wonderful and it's over. I'm glad it's over. Oh, you'll be off again soon. I'll put dough on it. I
9: doubt it. it it's sort of like the itch, Tom. When I get it, I've got to get up and move. But I think I'm cured this time. I bucketed all over the world because there wasn't anything or anyone to keep me at home.
6: Maybe, uh, Maybe we better dance, or something.
9: I'm going to be around, Stone.
6: And you're going to know it. But she was around, and I knew it. After a week or so, I didn't figure it too well. Or maybe it was me I didn't figure it too well. Kit was giving me the home cooking treatment, and every time I started feeling cozy about the pipe and slippers routine, a small, still voice within me told me to... Take to the hills. I kept my own counsel about it, though. Outwardly, no one knew anything was up.
1: Hey, lover boy, what's with the new suit? Oh, (laughs) well, I've had it a while. I just haven't worn it to the office yet. Well, la dee da. A nice, sincere dark blue suit.
6: Well, I got an appointment. A guy is coming through town. He's loaded, a very well-tailored gent, and I figured I ought to look sort of shined up myself. Uh Uh-huh, what's in that box? Oh, oh, nothing.
1: You're going to take the box to the guy, huh? Yeah, yeah, that's it. Hey,
6: Carl, take it easy.
1: Ah, the fella, he likes red roses, does he? Give me the flowers. (laughs) Well-tailored gent, you've been wearing white shirts every day for a week. You got two haircuts this week. Every day, shoe shines. Also every day, roses. I'm doing my work, aren't I? Oh, sure, sure.
6: And if it gets any cozier, I'm
1: switching you to the home section.
6: I carried the roses out in the open so everyone could see to Kit's hotel. She was my well-tailored friend. We were supposed to have lunch together. I started to stride past the desk clerk, but he shoved a note at me through the roses. It was Kit's handwriting.
9: Couldn't reach you by phone. Leaving flight 23, 1 p.m. Hurry,
6: darling. Excuse me, please. Let me through, please. Uh I'm sorry. Excuse me, please. Oh, Robbie, I'll see you later. I'm trying to catch up
2: with someone. You're too late for flight 23. Uh, Too late? Yeah, out there, just clearing the runway. Oh. Yeah, I see. That's funny. Is it? I mean the roses. She said you'd be carrying roses, but I didn't believe her. What are you doing here, anyway? Last I
6: heard, you went to New York to face the foundation director.
2: Yeah, I faced them. They liked Kit's stories so well, they almost gave me a citation. Oh, swell. Uh, where's she off to this time? Korea. Korea? Robbie, you... I didn't have a thing to do with it. The army arranged it. I, I just ran into Kit here at the airport. She said the whole thing came up in a hurry. Yeah, things do with her. Uh, she's a wonderful girl, isn't she? Yeah, I guess that's what she is.
6: Well, i better head back to town. Can I give you a lift? No, no thanks.
2: I'm waiting for a flight out. To Korea? I'll end up there after a while. But don't worry. I can't give you any trouble, I'm sorry to say. Oh? Kit left a message for you. I believe her exact words were... <clears throat> I love you, Stone, but I got the itch again. She said you'd understand. Yeah, I understand. Well,
6: thanks, Robbie. Oh, here. You win the roses. I made straight for the press club and... Loaded up for a long summer and a cold winter. And this time, although I didn't wake up at home in my robe and pajamas, I sure had me a touch of tommy. Of course, I'm getting better all the time. What the heck, I wasn't cut out for sitting and rocking. I never even think about Kit much, except once in a while when the telephone rings and an overseas operator announces one of the world's capitals. Then I know I got a jet by the rudder all over again. But that's strictly off the record. You can't print a word of it. Copy, boy.
2: Night Beat, starring Frank Lovejoy, is produced and directed by Warren Lewis. The night's transcribed story was written by Kathleen Height, with music by Frank Worth. The part of Kit was played by Joan Banks. Others featured were Jay Novello, Marvin Miller, and Joe Gilbert. Listen next week at this time, and every week as Randy Stone searches through the city for the strange stories waiting for him in the darkness. Tomorrow, join us for comedy with Bob and Ray on
0: NBC. And that's Night Beat from July 3rd, 1952 with The Old Itch. Starring Frank Lovejoy, also in the cast, Jane Avello, Joan Banks, and Marvin Miller is sponsored by Lisa's second favorite drink, Pabst Blue Ribbon Beer. Her first favorite, as you know, Mike. Roma, Roma wines. wines. Roma wines. You got it. Yep. She has her uh, flask of Roma wines with her wherever usually, she goes. I usually, you know,
4: keep a, a case under yeah. the desk here. Yeah.
0: So. She does like uh, she likes her uh, potent potables. That's for sure. Uh, it's heard on NBC. Uh, before we tune into the Jack Benny program, I want to remind all of our listeners about Remind Magazine, our main sponsor here. On Hollywood 360, we have a great relationship with Remind Magazine. I write a monthly column for them called Radio 360. And this is just a terrific magazine. It's all about nostalgia, movies, TV, radio, you name it. It's a monthly publication. Go to their website, RemindMagazine.com, or go to any Barnes & Noble store or any Walmart store, and you can pick up a copy. But the best way to subscribe or check it out is go to their website remindmagazine.com that's remindmagazine.com all right time for the jack benny program from april 22nd 1951 they all go to the circus here's part one of the jack benny program
1: the jack benny
3: program transcribed The program
1: starring Jack Benny with Barry Livingston, Philaris, Rochester, Dennis Day, the sportsman Quartet, and yours truly Don Wilson. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, spring is here, but to prove to you that the weather in California is always warm and sunny, we bring you one of our satisfied residents. Ah, listen to that little
2: birdie singing
1: (laughs) Anyway, it's spring So let's go out to Jack Benny's house in Beverly Hills Where we find Rochester cleaning the house (coughs) Darn this dust I wish Mr. Benny would buy a bag for this vacuum cleaner. My pockets are full. This is awful. Hey, I didn't turn the cleaner off. Uh Uh-oh, the comers must have pulled out the
3: plug. Well, I was finished anyway. Oh, hello, boss. Hello, Rochester. Say, you really got the house clean. Thanks. I was just out in the yard looking at the swimming pool. And, Rochester, I think tomorrow you can turn the water on and fill it. But, boss, I thought you said... I know, but if it hasn't rained by this time, it's not going. <laughs> Sometimes I think that... I'll get a Rochester. Hello, Jack. Oh, hello, Mary. Say, you're kind of early. We're not supposed to leave for the circus for nearly an hour.
5: I know, Jack, but it's such a beautiful day, I left the house early and walked over. Oh. And as I came down Sunset Boulevard, some fresh guy pulled up to the curb and offered me a ride. No. Yeah, he thought he was smart just because he had a new Cadillac convertible. Yeah. Gee, it was windy with the top down.
3: (laughs) Mary, you mean that you accepted a ride from a total stranger? Why, that's... Oh, for
5: heaven's sake, Jack, I'm kidding. Kidding? Certainly. You don't think I'm the type of girl who lets herself get picked up by any guy in an auto.
3: I don't know. That's how you met me. (laughs) Say, Mary. I'll get a laugh some way. Say, Mary. (laughs) Mary, what's, uh...
5: (laughs) <laughs>
3: say, Mary, what's, what's that in your hand,
5: huh? Oh, it's a letter from Mama I thought you'd want to see it
3: A letter from your mother, eh? Well, what does nobody's friend Irma have to say?
5: <laughs> I'll read it to you
3: <clears throat>
5: <clears throat> My darling daughter, Mary We're all very glad that you're over your five weeks illness And are appearing on Jack's program again But it must be discouraging to go from unemployment insurance Back to your regular salary
3: Laughter There's not enough difference to talk about
5: (laughs) Your sister Babe has been home for a couple of weeks And frankly, she's a little conceited Because she replaced you on Jack's program Now she wants them to put a star on her locker At the slaughterhouse Mary,
3: (laughs) Mary, Babe is now working in a slaughterhouse?
5: Yes, she's known as Hit him in the head Livingston (laughs) But
3: Mary Oh, Jack, let me
5: finish the letter, please
3: All right, go ahead, kid
5: <laughs> Last night we went... You don't generally get this much to
3: do, you know Go ahead.
5: Last night we went to a going-away party for your cousin Melvin It was a nice affair, but I think it was silly of Melvin to put on a sailor suit Just because you're sending
3: him up the river <laughs> Babe works in a
8: slaughterhouse? <laughs>
3: You know, Mary, your mother writes such a funny letter Excuse me Oh, hello, Dennis Hello, Mr. Benny, I'm sorry I'm late You're not late, you're early I am? Yes Gee, this daylight saving time has got me confused Daylight saving time? Dennis, you're not supposed to turn your watch ahead till next Sunday I
6: forgot to turn it back from last year <laughs>
3: Well, then you're really late. Yeah, Merry Christmas. (laughs) Dennis, you're starting to confuse me already. Now, do me a favor. Will you go out, walk around the block, and come back, come back in again?
6: Okay, goodbye.
5: (laughs) Uh, who was that, Jack?
3: It was Dennis. He came in to wish me a Merry Christmas. What? I don't know. He gets me mixed up, too. I told him to walk around the block.
5: Well, isn't he going to the circus with
3: us? Yes, the whole gang's going, and I'm also taking some boys from the Beverly Hills Beavers. I better tell Rochester what time I'll be home. Rochester? Yes, boss? I'll be home about 6 o'clock for dinner, so don't forget to go to the market.
1: I've already been to the market, boss.
3: Oh, what did you buy? I gave you $5. Let
1: me see. (laughs) I bought 10 pounds of potatoes, 3 pounds of butter, 2 pounds of hamburger... A prime rib roast Eight pork chops Three pounds of bacon A leg of lamb
3: And a sirloin steak
1: <laughs>
3: Oh, good, good Where's the change? <laughs> Oh, did that all come to $5? Oh,
1: no, boss. The $5 ran out after the hamburger. Oh,
3: well, how'd you get them to give you the pork chops, the bacon, the egg, the leg of lamb, and the sirloin steak? I signed a contract. A contract with a butcher shop? Yeah, you're appearing there tonight.
8: <laughs>
3: what? And if you make
1: good, I can book you at the Van Nuys A&P. <laughs>
3: Rochester, don't go booking me for personal appearances I've got an agent for that Why do you think I pay him 9%? Now look, I want you... I'll get it Hello? It's me, I'm lost Oh, Dennis, don't be ridiculous Where are you now? I'm doing my Christmas shopping Now cut that out And if you want to go to the circus with us You better get back here right away Okay, goodbye Goodbye Silly kid I wonder what he bought for me (laughs) Oh well
1: Uh, Say Mr. Benny
3: What is it Rochester?
1: After I serve dinner Can I have the rest Of the evening off? Why? We're having a big party On Central Avenue For my friend Jerome Who got drafted
3: Well certainly Wait a minute Rochester Your friend Jerome Was drafted six months ago And he's overseas now
1: Yeah it's a shame He's gonna miss the party
8: (laughs)
3: Well, you can go, but don't stay out all... Oh, that must be Phil. He's going to the circus with us. Hello, Mr. Benny. Dennis. Dennis! How did you get here so soon? Well, as soon as no, I no, got... hold it, Dennis. Hold I don't want to get into another routine. And there's something else I want to tell you. Yeah, what? Now, look at Mary's in the living room. Now, you know she was sick for several weeks. Uh Uh-huh. Right now, she's feeling fine, so don't start any of your silly talk with her. I don't want her to have any trouble. Now, when you see her, just say hello. That's all. Just hello.
5: Yes, sir. Jack, what took you so... Oh, hello, Dennis. Hello. Are you going to the circus with us? Hello. (laughs)
8: Look,
3: Dennis, you can say more than that. I can? Yes. (laughs) Kiss me, Livy. Now, Stop! (laughs) Dennis, Dennis, you're, uh, you're making a picture? Yeah, 20th Century Fox. Gee, you have your own show, personal appearances, and now you're making a picture.
5: When he starts playing meat markets, he'll be as big as you are.
3: Mary, how did you know?
5: I bought a pound of liver and you were in the coming attractions.
3: Imagine getting the publicity out already. Hello? Hello, is this you, Jackson? Yes, Pillar. you going to the circus with us? Yeah, Jackson, but you better go on ahead because I'm going to be late. Late? Why? I've been rehearsing my band for a concert tour and it took longer than I figured. Why, what happened? We ran out of ice. (laughs) Ice? Yeah, whoever has an eight-bar rest mixes them. (laughs) Oh, for heaven's sake. Anyway, Jackson, you go on without me. I'll meet you at the circus. Okay, are you going to bring any of your, as it says on the payroll, musicians? (laughs) Hmm? Yeah, Jackson, they'll all be there. Well, except uh, Sammy, my drummer, he hates circuses. Sammy hates circuses? Why? He used to work in one. He was the guy who put his head in the lion's mouth. (laughs) Why'd he give it up? He didn't give it up, the lion quit (laughs) Oh, well, I don't blame the lion Sammy's head is the size of a watermelon (laughs) Of course, his isn't ripe yet
2: You're so right, I plugged it yesterday
3: (laughs) Well, Phil, the next time he... There's someone at the door, I better say goodbye So long, Jackson, I'll see you at the circus Okay What a day, the door, the phone, the phone, the door Oh. Oh, I wasn't expecting you, Mr. Collins. Uh, Mr. Benny, the Department of Internal Revenue suggested that we visit you once more.
0: <laughs> and that's the first portion of the Jack Benny program, Going to the Circus, from April 22, 1951. More of Hollywood 360 after these words. More Hollywood 360 after these important messages.
4: Hi, this is Sarah Knight-Adamson. I'm the national film critic for the website sarahsbackstagepass.com. I'm a member of the Broadcast Film Critics Association in L.A. and a voting member of the Critics' Choice Film Awards. Coming up next, you'll hear a film review of a movie that's playing near you. Puzzle Rated R. It's a romance drama by Sony Classic Pictures. It's the story of Agnes, played by Kelly MacDonald, a dutiful middle-aged wife and mother who's never ventured out much or explored any hobbies. Her life is similar to the movie Groundhog Day until she receives a thousand-piece jigsaw puzzle for her birthday. Secretly, she begins to train for a jigsaw puzzle competition with a partner, Robert, played by the wonderful Argentinian actor Erfan Khan. Let's take a listen. A competition? I'm doing it. Honey. I'm not asking you. I'm telling you.
3: You're so much more comfortable when you're focusing on the puzzles. Turns you on.
5: He's using you. Everybody always uses you and you let them. I don't know why someone like you would find me interesting.
6: You're modest and strange
5: and
7: beautiful and funny. <laughs> Does that make me weird?
4: No, just different. Writer-director Mark Turtletab of Little Miss Sunshine fame brings us a tale of a woman who discovers her voice... Here's another clip.
8: You gotta tell me everything.
5: I don't have to tell you anything.
4: It's the best thing I've ever done. The bottom line I'm all in. Four stars out of four. With an excellent script and directing, Kelly McDonald shines here bring a performance that is beautiful, tender and heartbreaking. I found the puzzle competition strategies fascinating while also learning a new sport for me, puzzling. Check out my interview with Mark Tuttletop on sarahsbackstagepass.com. See you next week.
1: Now back to the best in classic radio. On Hollywood 360.
0: Next time, it's the conclusion to the Jack Benny program from 1951. Then, it's part nine of our ten-part adventure on Adventures by Morse with the Cobra King Strikes Back. That's next time here on Hollywood 360. We'll see you then.